Oikos. The Rees Company. By the way, like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> it helps the algorithm. <laughs> All right. People who really want to have a good time won't come to a slaughterhouse. And we've got entirely too many troublemakers here. Too many uh, 40-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry. It's going to change. Be nice. That ain't working. I want you to be nice. That ain't working. And you'll both be nice. <laughs> so much as my uh, wife was a giant... But um, I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that's the way you do it. <laughs> the Rees Company. Crack open a tepid Genesee and watch the pictures as they travel through your neighbor's Wi-Fi. It's the Rees Company. I'm Steve Rees, the bull of American broadcasting, alongside the great Chris Morganti. How are you, Chris? I'm good. Anything you'd like to uh, talk about this week? Well, people haven't seen us in a while. It's been a couple weeks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We had a, a little bit of an issue with the last show. Yeah. We, uh, I, I said something that you thought maybe taken as being off color. Uh, off color? Yeah, okay. We can put it that way. Yeah. Little, you thought there might be some racial undertones to what I was saying, but really all I was talking about was who the house next door to me was sold to. Shall we do our movie of the week of the week? Steve, yeah? they say that they're Indians, but they're not. The only thing I'm going to say, Chris, is that I, I have to admit that I'm very impressed. I never knew you knew how to play the banjo. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, our movie of the week of the week of this week is The Missing Are Deadly, which could have been called Lab Theory the Movie, but it wasn't because it aired on January 8th, 1975. Now, it features a favorite of yours, Chris, Leonard Nimoy. I don't know where he got that from, but sure. Well, you're a Star Mr. Trek guy. Um, Yeah. Not a fan of uh, Nimoy's work? Um, no, he's, he's okay. I can't think of anything good he did outside of Star Trek, though. And three men and a baby. I, I don't even know if you're joking. Was he actually in that? Well, he directed it. Oh. Yeah, that's not, that's not at the top of my list, though, of anything. <laughs> so. Well, uh, Leonard Nimoy is billed second, and he does have a key role, but he's actually surprisingly a supporting player. Yeah. The movie focuses on a family. We have two brothers here, David and Jeff, and their father, Dr. Margolin. Dr. Margolin, he runs a, an, an eponymous institute studying overpopulation and infectious disease. I'm sorry, Dr. Monganus? No, Dr. Margolin. Margolin, okay. No, no. Now, his main staff physician is Dr. Durav. That's uh, Leonard Nimoy's character. Yeah. And he's trying to develop a mutant virus to counteract an obscure disease called Mombasa fever. 
Let's uh, let's check in with. Uh, is that Umar. the type of thing that they do at the Wuhan place where the thing we can't talk about came from? Probably, uh, perhaps, yeah. and that, that's not what occurred, Chris. Right. Um, I think I just got us in trouble. Is that? Uh, yeah, I, th- I feel like that's your goal tonight, Chris. <laughs> no, that's not what I was going with. That. Oh, okay. Well, the, no, there's, there's but a, it's going to be taken that that's way. That's a legitimate debate, though. Sure. Yeah. Let, let's have it right now. <laughs> Special project number 2379, Mombasa fever, September 3. Subject mice injected with fever bacillus this morning at 8.20 a.m. Black quack. Chucky Ducky over there? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, all right. Oh, okay. so. No, it was at the Imus time. When he would give the time, it would be the quack-quack sound effect. But you know the Chucky Ducky quack-quack guy, right? Yeah, there, there's a comedian yeah. called Chucky Ducky. Yeah, sure. You're eyeing up that puppet, Chris. <laughs> not, not, not cool. <laughs> this isn't happening. This is not happening. <clears throat> well, uh, there is a comedian called Chucky Ducky, and uh, he oh, says... I just need a connection. He says... <laughs> Yeah, he says throughout his set, shuck it, I get quack, quack. Yeah. I, yeah. Don't, I don't think that, I that's should do that. Kind of his catch, puppet, with that that's particular puppet. kind of his catchphrase. Yes, I, I think that, that puppet can stay out of uh, this week's show. That new puppet we just got. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, Nimoy's lab is restricted. And as you saw there, it's heavily secure. And his work studying Mombasa fever is not popular with Dr. Margolin. Yeah, right. Who considers it? Who considers it too rare an illness to be worthy of Nimoy's time and attention? Right. And we're going to eat. No, we're going to meet the elder Mongolus in a moment. But first, let's check in on his sons, David and Jeff. Okay. Their housekeeper, Mrs. Bates. She's also in the mix. Mrs. Bates, what is that? Nice, isn't it? I've had kids with eating problems before. Jeff is not a kid. You don't expect me to eat that, do you? Why not? Because it's poisoned. I have friends. They've warned me about you. I gotta be honest. It looked poisoned to me, too. What the hell was that? that <laughs> it was, I think it had beads in it. <laughs> yeah, it looked like it had a gummy bears. Like a pancake shaped like a Florida lease with gummy bears. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't eat that either. <laughs> it does look suspicious. Well, uh, Jeff retreats to his room. Uh, Mrs. Bates follows him. Now, don't go getting Mrs. Bates fever. We won't be seeing her again. Look, Jeff. Why don't you put your hamsters away and come down for breakfast? I'll make something else for you. What would you like to eat? Yeah. 
Now, Jeff is what we would today call a high-functioning autistic. Mm. But uh, in yeah, those days, yeah. He reminds me of that kid that shot up Sandy Hook. So uh, the sooner they lock him up, the better, in my opinion. <laughs> you got to keep an eye on him, you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> well, that turns out to be very true. Yeah. Uh, in those days, instead of high-functioning autistic, I think it was safe to call one of these folks uh, a self-obsessed jerk. Mm. Jeff is a reputed genius in science and math. Now, on the other hand, David, he's older, but he's not so bright. Word is, David once gave his brother a diet Pepsi because he heard it had an ingredient called aspartame. But Jeff still wouldn't shut up about dream theater. (laughs) But David is quite fond of his younger brother, and he does all he can to protect him and do what he believes is best for Jeff. In just days, in fact, Jeff is due uh, to be shipped off to a boarding school for students like him. Oh, I bet that's a fun place. Yeah, get them all in one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, let's take them all to the range. <laughs> <coughs> well, David doesn't think that's the right move either. Yeah. So let's check in on Dr. Margolin. Uh, he's at the Institute in his office. You know who that was, Chris? Herb Monganus? It was indeed. Oh, okay. He makes his way in every one of these somehow. Now, David brings Jeff, uh, you know, the older brother, David, brings Jeff, the one who's being shipped off to special needs boarding school. Now, is that a Ford Bronco we're about to see? I, I can't make it out. I think it is. It could be. Yeah. Well, uh, David brings Jeff to the Institute for a visit. Now, their father, the doctor, he's giving a press conference. So he's out of the office when they arrive. I want to see George. Now forget it. Just wait here till I get back, right? Jeff's a bit antsy-pantsy here, but in fairness, he was asked to sit tight for what might have been the ungodly eternity of 45 seconds. Yeah. Now, what did he take out of that drawer? I wasn't very clear on that. It turns out to be a key. Oh. Let's see how he makes use of this key. a smart move probably yeah so with jeff's hours winding down before heading off to school david has a secret plan to go camping with jeff but first they collect david's girlfriend michelle played by kathleen quinlan from er 
We'll see her soon. But first, the brothers encounter Michelle's mother. Hi, Mrs. Robertson. Hi, hello, David. Hi, Jeff. You caught me running off to the beauty parlor. I just baked a cake this morning. How would you like a piece? <laughs> the manners haven't improved lately. Thank you. <laughs> He's just hungry. See you later. Bye-bye. Yeah. Raced in for the cake. Back at the Institute, Dr. Margolin, he's conflicted about the decision to send Jeff away to school. It should be noted that Jeff has never attended any kind of formal classes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Any school he's uh, tried to attend has found him too challenging. Yeah. And his brother says something in effect of, well, he's, he's too intelligent to be there. But all we see is him playing with mice. Right, right. Yeah, he's, um, he's, he's not, not concerned with anything other than what's on his mind at the moment, such as, in that case, cake. He just ran into the house. Yeah, he probably, never mind. He heard tell of cake. So here, Dr. Margolin meets with his institute's financial director, played by Jose Ferrer, uncle of George Clooney, also from ER. That's supposed to be a funny... Ed, listen, I've got to get back to my own work, really. I, I've been wondering, you know. What about? About myself, about my vaccine. Really, whether it was a, a quirk, an accident, whether I'd stumble across it, what? What's that supposed to mean? Well, you know, in the old days, I mean, the press first got a hold of my vaccine. They, they made me a, a movie star. So, you know, I couldn't even, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't register in a hotel under my own name. Oh, yeah, all those women throwing their room keys at you. Still, it ruined my marriage. You ruined your marriage. Out of simple neglect. She finally met a man who found time for her, that's all. Still, I wish you were here. I don't know what to do about Jeff. Call her. Call her. I did call her, what, a half a dozen times. You know, Paris is a long ways away, my friend. You know what your problem is? Since you came up with your vaccine eight years ago, you haven't made a single significant contribution to the scientific community. Why do you still back me, then? Because you're the talent to hold everything together around here. I'm just the power behind it. And one of these days, you're going to get fed up and sit down and go to work on something. I know. I only back winners. Now, that was some interesting uh, marriage advice going on in that clip, Steve. Um, If I'm correct here, the woman who thought her husband didn't have enough time for her uh, is now living in France and completely ignoring her special needs son. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, that's exactly what time it is. for that. Yeah, yeah, we learned a lot there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he's recently divorced, and uh, the kid's mother, uh, Jeff's mother and David's mother, she lives abroad. Yeah. It kind of invalidates your complaint about your husband not having enough time for you when you abandon your family. Exactly, exactly. Now, uh, it's been seven years since the Institute has produced a medical breakthrough, And the doctor is having doubts about his own effectiveness as a parent and as a physician. Most of which we just learned during Jose Ferrer's unsolicited roast of Dr. Margolin. So moments later, Margolin and Nimoy make a simultaneous discovery.
So the kid took a mouse, but also let all the other mice go. Yeah. 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 And uh, Nimoy's about to notice that one of the mice is missing. And all of those mice are injected with Mombasa fever. Never heard of it. So he sets off a contamination. uh, Never mind. Never mind. He sets off a contamination alarm, and the Institute is put on lockdown. Meanwhile, on a carefree highway, this occurs. some undercooked bat. That'll make a nice stew. That's what's in this kid's head right now. Uh, <clears throat> so with the Institute in chaos, I, I, I guess it's under lockdown. An alarm was set off. That <clears throat> sound permeated through the entire laboratory. Um, Nimoy and Ferrer, they confer with Margolin to uh, deduce just what's going on over here. I've searched the whole area. The mouse is gone. Somebody was in this room between 1 and 3.30. Listen, I raised over a million dollars to put in this special color-coded lab system. What good does it do if some joker can walk into a contaminated lab and walk out with a mouse? There's nothing wrong with the system. Whoever it was had a card key. Then let's get out the files and see who has red-coded keys. Make a few calls. Could have been an accident. I don't think so, gentlemen. When I came back to my office after the reception, I found my desk drawer open and my master card key gone then it must have been somebody who was at the reception. I'm afraid not. I think it was my son, Jeff. How do you know? The trail of train schedules dropped between my office and the Mombosa fever lab? Actually, Dr. Margolin is just about to learn that Nimoy has been researching a serum to combat Mombasa fever. Nimoy kind of went into business for himself here against Margolin's wishes. Right. Uh, it's a study that's hours away from yielding a result, either positive or negative. If the mice stay alive, the serum is a success. But if they die, the cure for Mombasa fever is still unknown. And that's a concern because Jeff has now exposed people to it. Margolin phones Michelle's mother, David's girlfriend. Yes, Dr. Margolin. Are my boys there? No, they left some time ago to go camping up at the state park. Didn't you know? No, I didn't. Well, I don't understand. You're going to have to come to the institute. I have to what? An ambulance is on its way to pick you up. Now, listen carefully. You've been exposed to a highly contagious disease. I can't explain it all to you now. It's vital that you come to the institute and go into isolation. Realize how strange this must sound, but please try and stay calm, Mrs. Robinson. And one more thing. You must try to remember where you've been and all the people that you've come in contact with since my kids left there this afternoon. Now, Chris, watching this movie from our historical standpoint gives us a unique perspective. How so? Well, when this aired, most people alive had not experienced a pandemic. Yeah. Although this is merely an epidemic being portrayed here. It gives us, uh, uh, we, we look at this from experience. When the doctor tells her to account for everyone she's encountered since her exposure, it made me think of a time a few years back when people had to do that at restaurants. Did you ever do that? I don't know what you're referring to. There was a time when uh, certain uh, restaurants were allowed to be open, but they had to, everybody in the restaurant 
had to write down the names of everybody they had had contact with. Yeah, yeah. But this is different. In this case, this is only one person has it. I mean, her odds of contracting that must have been like one in a million, as Axel Rose would say. On the way to their campsite, the youngsters stop off at a store where they meet a gruff shopkeep. I'm just being an ass. I know, but let's see the clip. Let's see the clip. You gotta pay if he reads those, you know. Okay, sure. We got everything we need. Okay. Mm-hmm. It isn't I don't like kids, you know, but but you know how they are. They come in here, read every magazine in the joint. First thing you know, they all get torn. Nobody wants to buy them. Yeah. So officials from the CDC, they arrive at the institute. Never to- heard of them to help set up a uh, quarantine game plan for those exposed. Meanwhile, Ferrer convenes with the press. No questions, please, until I finish what I have to say. I've called you men here today because you are the cornerstone of the media in this town. We have a very serious situation here, and we need your help. A mouse... Now go forth and scare the shit out of everyone. fever has been taken from the lab. A regional manhunt is underway for uh, David, Jeff, and Michelle, who arrive at the campsite completely unaware that the nation's workforce is being divided between essential and inessential employees. You know, uh, during the uh, lockdown, Nick Doritos Guy Vomer said something very funny to me. He said, the best thing about this whole situation is that um, people have to admit they're non-essential. Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's see. The campsite arrival. Boy, what a great place. Look at those trees. Oh, boy. Now, do we think that's because of the disease or because he freaking lennied it from, like, a, a, a mice and men? <laughs> that's possible, but uh, fortunately, by this point in the film, we already know that, likewise, the remaining mice in the lab have died. Right. Meaning Nimoy's experiment has not yielded a medicinal combatant for Mombasa fever. Mm. So everyone exposed is indeed likely to come down with uh, Mombasa fever. In fact, Jeff starts to show symptoms first. Let's see. Anything you eat all day? Except some uh, cake and rabbit food. My body chemistry is different. I don't need food all the time. No kidding. Hey, why are you sweating like that? Are you sick? You feel awfully warm, Jeff. No, no, no. It's, it's just—it's part of a mind-controlled experiment I'm working on. I can't tell you a lot about it yet, but uh, I'm learning to control my body. You see, right, right now I'm making it hot. And later, I'll, I'll make it cold again. You'll see. Yeah, so some time passes. It's the next day now. Okay. And at the Institute, doctors worked through the night to test a new serum using a mutant virus also created by Nimoy that was kind of a side project for his Mombasa fever research. He's skeptical that it will be effective. Everyone exposed to the disease has been taken into quarantine, apart from one guy, Chris. You, you know who that is? Uh, there was a subtlety in this film 
I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I wasn't paying attention that well. The gas station attendant oh. who changed Jeff's flat tire the previous day. Remember him? No. Uh, when the report comes over the radio, warning all those exposed to the campers to report to quarantine, he impatiently changes the station, which sealed his fate. Ah, and they did a trick people often do when they write scripts. They made the guy unlikable. Okay. So that you don't have any sympathy for him. But he changed their tire. He changed their tire, but here's what he did. He made it sound like he was doing them a favor for providing an advertised service. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. So we're not expected to care that his innards were eaten away by ferocious bacteria. Let's check in on Jeff's condition. Hey, Jeff. Come on, man, wake up. Rise and shine. Hey, Michelle? Come here and help me with his jacket. It's soaked. I think he is sick. What's the matter? I feel dizzy all of a sudden. You're not getting sick too, are you? Uh-uh. Man, look at his face. Why are those awful spots? I, I don't know. Jeff? Jeff, where'd you get the mouse? Leave me alone. Jeff, Michelle's getting sick too. You got her from the lab, didn't you? Didn't you? Don't be rough on him. Yeah. Well, things are starting to turn around at the Institute. They're starting to get interesting? Yeah. Oh, good. You've been long awaiting that uh, turn of events? Something. Well, they're administering, and by the way, there's a romantic word for you. They're uh, providing doses of the mutant virus to the uh, collected patients, or at least trying to, because what's a pandemic without millions of this guy? You want to give me a bug that's supposed to kill the bug that I got? Right. Not me. I ain't going to be any human guinea pig. No, sir. I'll fight this on my own. Look, I understand. But if your symptoms get worse... I once fell down a flight of stairs, broke my back. Doctor said I'd never walk again. I walked. Yeah, that's the grocer from earlier. Oh. He was the guy who was yelling at the kid for reading the magazines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The toxic, uh, the toxic threesome, well, they flee the scene in search of medical treatment for Jeff as David and Michelle also fall ill. We're on our and, way now, uh, but isolation, give them the viral injections. This this is only uh, seventy minutes long, and there's a lot of just cars driving down the highway. <laughs> uh, they really had to pad this one out in order to get a story out of it. Right. Yeah, even in the most dire of circumstances, a woman will insist on stopping at a public restroom. Yeah. Actually, it's a payphone thereafter. Uh, David calls the institute. What? A payphone. I never heard of them. Uh, Well, it's one of those things they used to have all over the place. You could put quarters in. It used to be dimes, and you can make a a phone call. It was before cell phones. You know. uh, You don't trust the audience to have heard of a payphone? No, I'm joking, but it just wasn't funny. But uh, there was a time, maybe like six months, 
where I didn't even have a phone at home. Um, I had a, a desk phone at my work. So I would just make my all my calls between the hours of uh, 9 and 5 on the weekdays. And then you couldn't get a hold of me on the weekends unless you called the pay phone that was on the pizza shop on the corner. <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, somebody go get Chris. <laughs> and that's a, about how long ago was this? Oh, man, that was like 99, 2000. Because uh, that's how phones started. My grandparents used to talk about how there would be a phone in the drugstore on yeah. the corner. And someone would get a call. And then someone from the drugstore would go to that person's house on the block and tell them there was a call waiting for them. Yeah. And I think even after that, when people had them in their homes, it'd be like 10 different people would have the same number. So they could pick up and like, I'm looking for Mark. And was, <laughs> right. you know, everyone else would just hang up. Yeah, the party line they used to go. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, so uh, David, he goes to that payphone, and he calls the Institute and provides his father with a list of Jeff's symptoms. A halfway location is established where an ambulance can meet up with them all and begin to provide treatment. Safely reaching quarantine, father and sons are reunited. Is that you, Dad? It's me, old pal. Jeff? Not good, son. Michelle? She's about the same as you. This whole thing. It's my fault, isn't it? Dave, David, don't. Yep. Eh? All of us made some mistakes here. Not of this caliber, though. Right, right. Yeah, geez, Dad. I, I was just being nice. Let's account for all of our individual mistakes here, shall we? Focusing chiefly on its societal impact. Let's see. On the way up to the campsite, I did cut a guy off um, merging onto the freeway. I didn't mean to, and I'm sure he was in a bad mood for a while as a result. So uh, that, that, that's my chief. Um, uh, let's, uh, let's soul search Michelle, shall we? She misread the map. And we got off an exit too early to get to the campground. But she realized it right away, and uh, we just made a U-turn, and we were back on track in a matter of minutes. And now uh, let's go to Jeff. Let's see. Let's see about Jeff. Uh, what did Jeff do? Oh, yeah. His antics nearly eradicated humanity. <laughs> I get it. He's a science and math genius. I'm sure he would have been a great gift to the world before the abacus, but let's face it. All he's ever done is trap people into one-sided conversations about space robots. And now now all this? Not on, man. Not on. Bang out of order. Very unswinging. You know, there was a news story not too long ago about this. Uh, it was in Canada, I think. And this uh, woman lost control of her car and hit, I think, she, I forget if she hit a house or like the, something in the yard. But... She opened up a, a gas main, and uh, ten homes exploded. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> the, can you imagine? Like, sometimes you lose control of your car, and, you know, maybe you just hit a tree or something. She <laughs> blew up ten homes. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Well, we all make mistakes. Yeah, we all Hopefully make her mistakes. dad was Dr. Margolin. Yeah. Man, oh, man. So, in total, there's one death as a result of all this, and that's the gas station guy no one's supposed to care about because he, uh, he was a bit smarmy. That guy had ten kids. <laughs> So a new serum developed by Nimoy is successful. Of and, course, yeah. And everything goes back to normal. Yeah, of course, yeah. That's Except how, that's how science works. Yeah, you come up with, you pull an all-nighter and uh, <laughs> right. you, you fix it. Yeah, this is, this is a Star Trek. We, we were not allowed to show the Loverboy song that played while they were coming yeah. up with the serum. 
This is I'm, I would, would not, do you know who wrote this? I don't. I, I would bet it's someone who used to write for Star Trek because it's the same nonsense they used to pull on that show. You know, Doctor McCoy would go into a lab or, or with Spock for an hour, and they'd come up with you know the the thing that in the last five minutes of show. Oh, now it's not a problem anymore. That's not drama. There's a genre I hate, Steve, and it's medical drama. And I, I, this was exactly what this is. You mentioned all the people that are in ER later. Like, this is ER. It's a, my mom used to watch a show called uh, St. Elsewhere. Right, right. Uh, House was another one. I, I never had any interest in any of those programs. They were all terrible. And this is confirmed he wrote for Star Trek The Next Generation? Of course the, he the, did. The same writer? What's his name? Yeah, I never heard of him. Okay. But he did write for Star Trek? Yeah. Okay, afterward. afterward. Yeah. But uh, he had that same mindset, as you said, uh, yeah. that is so common And I didn't look that in up. Star I Trek just guessed it because, you know. Okay, and uh, <laughs> Deep Space Nine and The Next Generation. Star Trek. The, the second generation. writer on this, pro- on this uh, program. Yeah. yeah. Also. Uh, it's terrible writing. It. It's terrible writing and it's bad drama. That, I guess we don't need my review, do we? <laughs> well, we do need your Meredith's, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, to wrap things up, yeah, so uh, the serum works, and everything uh, goes back to normal, except for Major League Baseball, which during the weekend of local quarantine underwent 37 emergency rule changes yeah. that are still in effect today. Yeah. Yeah, now, now yeah, you can go to the ballpark, and uh, the game could be over before you even get to your car. <laughs> It's America's pastime. Let's change everything about it. <laughs> well, you know, all those rules are to appeal you know, to non-baseball 100, fans. 150 years of success. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to appear to people who say baseball is. They're trying to appeal to people who say baseball is boring. Uh-huh. But what those people mean when they say boring is they mean it's nonviolent. Yeah. So making the games go faster is not going to get them watching baseball. I think you have an audience. You're baseball. <laughs> Well, everybody goes home, even Jeff, because his father decides Jeff doesn't have to go to boarding school after all because he's proven he can be trusted without round-the-clock professional supervision. The guy who played Jeff, by the way, his name is uh, Gary Morgan. Yeah. And he went on to be a prolific Hollywood stuntman and stunt coordinator. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Is that – there's still them around, just not as many, you know, right? They're still around, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There are live stunts. Yeah. Uh, anything you'd like to say before we rate it? Uh, no. I I, th- I said enough. <laughs> and I think you know where I go. I'm going to give this, what did I give the last one? Half a star? Oh, geez, I'm, 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 half a Meredith Baxter. Half a Meredith. I'm going with the same thing on this one. It's just as bad. Okay. And, and just as unentertaining. It was actually less entertaining than the bulldozer one. <laughs> All right. Wow. Uh, okay. Well, I'm going to go with three out of five Meredith Baxters. My gut says two out of five. But I believe that to be bad faith, because if I'd seen this before the spring of 2020, it would have been more suspenseful. But we all now know what series of events unfolds when carrots are careless with rodents. So I have to bump it up, Emeritus. Three is probably what I would have rated it for the storytelling and acting prior to all of us experiencing the very scenario played out therein. Anything we didn't talk about you might like to talk about? Well, I think we should address something. If anyone's made it this far into the program... Sure. Uh, there was a lot of... Uh, there was some unpleasantness earlier. You're not going to see this entire show. 
Yeah. yeah. There's some stuff we had to cut out. There were a lot of discussions before the show about things going on that sort of played out while the show was going on. If you're wondering... Um, well, I, I'm going to say just keep wondering. Yeah. No, we're not going to explain it. I'm just saying there were a lot of things that... If certain things don't make quite make sense to you, just know that there was a lot. I mean, we're good, though. Steve, yes, right? I, well, I certainly hope so. And yeah. everything's fine, and we'll yeah. be back next week. Yeah, go fuck yourself. And, uh, okay. In that case, uh, uh, for Jim Corhan, Chris McGannigan, I'm Steve Reeves. Ask Weebie. Yeah, whatever. All right. Good night. Good night.